Welcome to Inside Legion, the podcast that takes place inside David Haller's head. I'm Alex Alvin. I'm Justin Tyler. Pete LePage here. <laughs> we are inside the head of the star, uh, the main character of Legion. Uh, what a fun, this is a party atmosphere. Everyone here is pretty hype, pretty lit. Just, it's a chill out show. So we're, this is a chill out podcast. Hey, everybody. I'm heavily medicated. <laughs> if you're listening to this for the first time, we are the hosts of Nerdist's Comic Book Club Live and also, Riverdale After Dark, I'll just throw that in there. Our podcast resume is only growing. Yes, it is. Uh, this is the after show podcast for the first episode of Legion, the new show of F- on FX that takes place in an X-Men-ish universe, is I think the way, fair way of putting it. Well, I mean, that's something we should definitely talk about. This is a Marvel Comics production. Yep. Uh, this is like part of that world. Uh, it, it only glances on the X-Men universe. Uh, there are mutants, though they don't use that word, really. Uh, right. Well, they do. They, they, do, they, mention do, they do mention mutants at one point. Yeah, but it's, it's not... So it's produced by Jeff Loeb, who does the Marvel stuff, good yeah. friend of the show, very much likes to make fun of us all the time. He's and we guy. like to make fun of him. Yes. Yeah, so. His X-Force run was great. <laughs> and it's also produced by Brian Singer and Lauren Schuler Donner, who produced all of the X Men movies. So there is something tangential there, but the Joe main Cassano driving is also a producer. Yes, uh, the main driving force behind it is Noah Hawley, who did Fargo on FX, and this is his show. I think 100%. more than anything. Um, I mean, we sort of knew that going in, but then watching it, it is 100% his show. So I was at the New York Comic Con panel where they... Uh, the cast was there. Noah Hawley was talking about it. And a lot of what he talked about, he if you've never watched Fargo, by the way, you should definitely check it out. It's based Amazing. on the movie, but kind of just touches on it. It brushes on it more than anything. It, it more so takes place in, this, in the same part of the country while also uh, taking in a lot of the... Like character and tonal choices. Yeah, exactly. And he talked about he wanted to approach the X-Men universe in the same way. They've kind of sort of described this as, eh, it's an alternate universe from the X-Men movies, but they haven't been very specific about it. What he wanted to do was, which I thought was really interesting, is he said he wanted to earn their way to the X-Men movies that he felt like if they started dropping Easter eggs and they started dropping all these names and professor X and everything else that it wouldn't be fair to the show. It wouldn't let the show work on its own means and its own ends. And instead they started from a place of let's make the show work. And halfway through, maybe we could start dropping that stuff in, which I love. I think that's a very smart way to approach especially the X-Men, which is a huge franchise, huge comic book property, to come at it from a very oblique angle and be like, oh, here's this guy. We don't quite know what's going on with him. We don't quite know what's going on with the world, but we do know that it's related to that and it operates in a similar capacity. Now, I'm curious, just to start off before we get into the show itself proper, uh, for those of uh, you who have been listening to Comic Book Call, you're probably pretty familiar with our comic book Predilections? Is that the right Ooh, interesting. Yeah, that's a good uh, uh, way to be. But I'm curious Our to hear from oeuvre? you guys. I don't know if we've ever really talked about, like, what is your experience? Your experience. Your, your experience. Uh, welcome to the X-Men. I hope you enjoy the experience. Uh, what is your experience with X-Men, and in particular with Legion? Like, what's your first memory of Legion, Pete? Uh, I don't have all, too much experience. I mean, the, the last run is pretty much all I'm really familiar with. Mm-hmm. Was that the Mike Carey run? 
Yeah, Mike Carey, and then who was before that as well? Uh, I don't know. Well, Legion was... There were a couple spinoff titles that were just him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but before that, I mean, he was at the center point of uh, a couple big X-Men events uh, over the course of the... I am completely blanking on the name of the event where Legion goes back in time and kills Magneto. Which one is that? Is that Age of Apocalypse? Yes. That's uh, Age of yes, Apocalypse. Yes, that's, that's Age oh of God. Apocalypse. So that's probably my first memory of Legion is... I, I'm sure I knew of him beforehand, but in the comic books, Legion is the son of... He kills um, Professor X, not, Mora not McTaggart. Yeah, but he doesn't well, kill... No, no, no. So, okay, he's the son of Mora McTaggart and Professor X... He loves Professor X. He wants to pay tribute to him. He goes back to a point when Professor X and Magneto were still friends and tries to kill Magneto and I think ends up killing Professor X, which causes the Age Age of Apocalypse, Apocalypse. this alternate universe storyline that's pretty much one of the most famous X-Men storylines of all time and was (coughs) ruined by the movie. Um, but, <laughs> Interesting cough. But that's yeah. probably uh, my first experience or first real memory of Legion. But, yeah, the Mike Carey series, if you never checked it out, is awesome. It's really, really well done. And it plays with this idea that Legion has these multiple personalities. Each one has a different power. He pulls on them. They're all yeah. fighting and arguing all the time. And it's fascinating. And I believe Simon Spurrier did a recent yeah. run uh, after that. Uh-huh. Uh, but yeah, I agree. Like my, like Legion is all about his haircut, and <laughs> yes. he's crazy. Are basically uh, what we have from him from a lot of X Men continuity. And in the show, we've lost one of those things. Right. His yeah, that, that's pretty. Oh, 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 is that what you were talking about? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, Great hair though on our main character. Yeah. It. Uh, it's a really interesting choice for a first X-Men TV series. It's really fascinating. But what did you guys think about the show? Uh, I was uh, pleasantly surprised at how invested I was. Mm-hmm. Uh, interesting. It was It kind of like I didn't, uh, the teasers and all that kind of stuff, I wasn't excited. But once the show started, I think they did such an amazing job with the storytelling that you really cared about this character and his state of mind and what was actually happening. Uh, I like started watching halfway through and then I had to walk away and I couldn't really walk away. My mind kept thinking about the show. And then when it was finally done, I was like, okay, but, uh, (laughs) I was really impressed with how much we cared about the characters. And I thought Aubrey, Aubrey Plaza was amazing. Yeah, what did you think about it, just generally speaking? Uh, I I feel like uh, Noah Hawley's the kind of guy who adds so much. He's such a detail-oriented creator, mm-hmm. but he also doesn't let it overtake the story. Yeah, uh, he's he has this nice line. Like Fargo is does such a good job of being of show telling his story through the, these great different lenses. This show, I feel like, does a great job of. It feels almost Wes Anderson-y. Like, if Wes Anderson were to do his take on the X-Men, it would be like this. Very specific. But it doesn't go too far into, like, 
tweeness mm-hmm. or being too cute. Well, there's at least one point. There's a dance sequence. There is a dance sequence, but... Bonnie's uh, dreaming. I mean, give him, give his mind oh, a I chance. Oh, I mean, it was gorgeous, yeah. but I think that's probably the closest we got to a Wes Anderson-ness. But, but even so, I think it, it gets to that point, and then it immediately pulls us back to more of what yeah. we would you expect. You also, we were talking about this a little bit earlier, uh, Stanley Kubrick, you also... This, I feel like the, the way it's shot... This is, uh, by the way, the most serious podcast we've ever done. Yeah, exactly. We don't get into uh, <laughs> aesthetics nearly as much as this. Uh, we get into dick jokes much more often. Uh, but yes, uh, I think this is very uh, Stanley Kubrick influenced. Like it has, uh, not to get into too much like cinematography, but uh, Stanley Kubrick's whole thing is there's like a center point in his films that uh, a lot of the action orbits around. And I feel like this has that a, a little bit. A lot of the um, sort of uh, production design is in that world as well. Like I, it, it, I would agree. To me, with I you. feel like it, it's gesturing toward that in a in but a great way. But it's like way. Stanley Kubrick light without all the like weird sexual shit. Well, yeah, but are I you mean, specifically thinking of Eyes Wide Shut or Clockwork Orange or you know? Oh, right, right, right. I mean, that, that's fair. But I do think like a lot of Stanley Kubrick films deal with like perception of reality, and right. this show is a hundred percent about perception yeah. of reality. And I really think that. Because it that I, there was a moment at the end where he was like, "Is this real?" And I thought that was such an earned, honest moment because of all the shit that he's been through and we've been through with him. Yeah, the greatest thing about this show to me is how it brings you inside David Holler's head. You're in there the entire time, yeah. like you are, just like this show. There is one <laughs> scene. Yes, there is. Whose one head scene. are we in? What? We'll reveal that in the last episode of the show, by the way, whose head this podcast is taking place in. Oh, yeah. I actually said it takes place inside David Holler's mind. <laughs> <laughs> right. So there you go. Yeah, spoiler. It takes place in his head. Um, that there's one scene where we focus on the psychiatrist, but otherwise we're entirely in David Holler's perspective. Mm-hmm. The entire show. And that's yeah. fascinating. So let's jump into it. Let, let's talk about the episode a little bit because there's a lot of stuff to unpack and a lot right. of stuff going on. Um, it kicks off with this incredible montage. I thought this was great. So good. Showing oh, the, David growing up that and was slowly amazing. discovering his powers. And the music for it was so perfect. I mean. Yeah. Spice Up Your Life. Crazy choice, but real yeah. good. <laughs> I, well, and I love the way that like we see it sort of progress narratively or uh as we would expect and then we keep flashing back to different points yeah. as yeah. it goes it's like it's fra- it's fractured in such a great way in the way that we think about our lives where it's like oh that reminds me of when i was a kid and this happened mm-hmm. like it it's just yeah. so it's it's his mental process i mean yeah. the it's very rare that you notice how good the editing is on a show the editing here is excellent i mean yeah. it's jumping around a little bit but he there's a couple of interrogation scenes, and I, I noticed it specifically with this, but there's smash cuts from a memory he's in back yeah. to the interrogation scene yeah. that are hilarious, like laugh-out-loud funny. Well, and that's a, another thing I want to talk about. This this show is legitimately funny. There's, like, great... Yeah. Like, they go from these hugely, uh, hugely designed set pieces to yeah. just, like, a very deadpan, calm, just, like, joke. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is another thing I wouldn't expect from a comic book series, an X Men series, and especially a comic book series. Like I feel like that's one thing that a lot of comic book series. I mean, I haven't been walk able away to land. saying this is a comedy, but there are some light moments. Yeah. yeah. Uh, 
Let's talk about Dan Stevens. What did you think about Dan Stevens as Legion, as the lead of the show? Did you guys watch Downton Abbey or no. The Guest, maybe, or anything like that? No. This is the first um, time I've, I'm really seeing him. Yeah. Uh, I was very impressed uh, with his acting and how he, I was so drawn into his character. I think you would like a lot of the subtle character work from Downton Abbey, just in general. Across okay. The board. Well, and the mannered, like, upstairs-downstairs uh, sure. tension between... We should uh, actually mention that uh, Pete works as a, a galley servant at, yes, a, we should at a young that. master's house. And so he would definitely relate to Downton Abbey. And you should check out Pete's podcast, Downton Gabby, where he t- <laughs> chats, just chats with different other people he works with in yep. the servants' quarters um, about... Uh, yeah, there's a lot Downton of stuff Abbey. about washing dishes, but it's a very fun podcast. It's very fun. You wouldn't believe the mutton recipes he shares. <laughs> this guy's crazy about mutton. Oh, boy. Uh, here's my only problem with Dad Stevens, and it... it it's the same thing that Benedict Cumberbatch did in Doctor Strange, which is British guy trying to do an American accent voice. Really? Yeah. Where it just it gets it's like very deep and uh, growly. Like they they move their voice down into their throat and get very twitchy with their acting. And it was the same thing with Benedict Cumberbatch and Strange. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I buy that. I didn't notice. I mean, I mean, he was heavily medicated, so it was definitely one of those things. Uh, um, well, and I think also the way he he speaks, like there's so many big moments, but then it comes down to like yeah. these like overall. Listen, things. I thought he was great, and I thought he did a great job, and I was really engaged, and I think he's a great actor, and you guys should watch him in Downton Abbey because yeah. basically the show fell downhill once he left the show. He plays a teacup. Yeah, he plays. He's the beast, dude. Oh, 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 oh. yeah, but he. Uh, yeah, he's great in the show, and he's he's great in this one, too. I'm excited to see him as the center, and it's definitely a very different character. Uh, let's talk about Aubrey Plaza. You mentioned her yeah. earlier. She gets introduced very early on as a the bulk of the episode takes place at Clockworks Psychiatric Institute, which, getting to your twee point, is pretty twee for a name. It definitely is. Well, and I think it feels purposeful. It feels uh, like they're... They they know they're doing it as opposed to Wes Anderson who is just right. like I don't know this is what I this is how my mind <laughs> yes, works this is this is how I dress all the time I'm Wes Anderson yeah exactly I'm just going to the grocery store in my four piece suit <laughs> guess what the fourth piece is excuse me do you have a quarter of a kumquat that I could buy I'm Wes Anderson I'm birding probably. <laughs> <laughs> Looking at birds. So uh, he's at the Clockworks uh, Psychiatric Institute and he meets Aubrey Plaza's character, who I'll tell you, I thought she wasn't real at the beginning. And mm-hmm. then she started having conversations with other people. And I was like, oh, okay, all right, she's real. So immediately, when you're in the Psychiatric Institute, you start to doubt exactly what's going on. Yeah. But she's great. I mean, she's, she's kind amazing. of like a rogue element of. Anarchy and weirdness. She, and then when she came back, it was so cool too. Right. She ends up. So this is this is a little bit of a hint as to what Legion's powers are in this show. Mm-hmm. Later on in the show, Aubrey Plaza's character dies, and it's really horrific. She is caught inside of a wall and gets fried or something. Yeah. And you just see her dead half torso sticking out of a wall. She shows up later in David's mind, and it seems to indicate to me at least. That when his powers kill people, he absorbs them. Did you guys get that as well? Yeah, that's sort of. It, it, it's not clear. 
uh, right. for sure. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it does feel like uh, there's a sins sins of his actions or ghosts uh, factor there, and emotionally and i think that it will maybe on like well, the actual a, play of the powers will be more like that's that. also the interesting thing for me for a lot of times when things are unclear or muddy it can be such a turnoff but i was so i didn't care about the fact that i wasn't sure what was real or not uh because i was so invested and the storytelling and the editing and everything was moving forward in such a great way that uh yeah, I mean, these things would normally bother me, but because the show was so good, it, it didn't kind of pull me out of the show. Yeah, and the other interesting thing about it is when David sees her, he's not really bothered by it. He kind yeah. of expects yeah. it to happen, so yeah. it's clearly something that's happened before. Well, I I, that's what I'm saying. Like, I feel like so much of the show is about uh, reality, but more specifically perception, and his perception is... He, like, he's an unreliable narrator our point of view and we are a hundred percent along for the ride with him yeah let's talk about sid so he's at the psychiatric hospital for a little while and he meets sid who is a psychiatric patient who doesn't want to be touched and they start a romance and this leads to my favorite scene in the whole episode they can't touch each other. They're walking along, going this oh. dating montage where they're holding a ribbon yeah, or a piece of it, which is great. It looked like it was like the, the drawstring on like a yeah towel or something you know, like, like that. And they're walking along, yeah. and then one night they're standing looking out the window, and she tells him, "Hey, look at the window. Unfocus your eyes, and the world fades away." And she can't touch him. So they kiss, but they kiss only in their reflection. And it's such a gorgeously filmed scene. Yeah. It's gorgeous, and it's also really romantic. Yeah. Yeah, like, again, like, it's... What's great about this show is they put these sort of barriers up in in between our expect mm-hmm. uh, in front of our expectations like we expect this to be to go a certain pathway and it does not and that's so exciting speaking of going in a pathway you don't expect it right after that point this is 20 minutes into the show they finally pull back the curtain and we kind of find out what has actually been going on that he this is all in the past yeah. Everything that's yeah. happened to this point is in the past, and he's being interrogated by somebody, some sort of government operative. They have him stuck in an old school or something like that. There's a swimming pool. There's some sort of weird dog thing going yeah, on. What in a was cage. that? Yeah. Like, a, like a killer rabbit? Or I something. don't know. I don't, you think it was a killer rabbit? Yeah, it was like a weird glow, and the head was fuzzy. I don't know, man. Yeah. I got, so I got rabbit. This introduces. What I thought was most interesting about this was this introduces something that hasn't been introduced in the X-Men movies, but is all over the place in the X-Men comics, is weird government agencies always wanting to do stuff with mutants. Yeah, that's uh, it's a nonstop theme, and I like that they're doing it in this show, in a, but in a way that makes it uh, different. Like, that guy's not being obvious with his intentions. He's just asking questions. And then the confrontation happens, sort of. That's uh, really what the government's doing, guys. Oh, it's they're just hooking. monitoring mutants and trying to hold Uh-oh. them back Here's from a, their oh, true potential. Life, conspiracy life, theory. Jesus what Christ. mutants do you need? Regular Alex Jones over here. <laughs> I mean, nice. Oh, on. wow. Very, yeah. 
Very topical. Yeah, very, very, very topical. Uh, so going back to while we're catching up to the presence, though, uh, there's another huge scene that happens. So Sid gets discharged. There's a really another beautiful scene where, like, the last night she's going to be in the hospital, yeah. she lies in bed with him, and they don't want to, still don't want to touch, so they oh, keep separated so and everything. Uh, and then when it's her, I love l- not touching. Oh, you know? yeah. oh, it's great. Well, it gives me these Pushing Daisy feels. Did you guys yeah, watch Pushing oh, Daisies? No, I didn't, but that's... Uh, oh, I've one heard of my that. favorite shows ever. I yeah. love it. And they also can't touch because she died. So there you go. Um, they do touch. He kisses her right before she leaves. Oh, and- yeah, the part where they like run to each other when like she's going to leave and he might not see her. Very powerful. Oh, my God. The So this is something that I heard recently that I thought was mind-blowing about the show the large majority of the stuff that they did in this episode was all practical effects wow. like there is not cgi or anything like that and when you're watching I it from that, that perspective they kiss and then the majority of what happens is lighting effects like the lighting in the room changes it becomes dark and red the lights start flashing mm-hmm. people get trapped behind no doors which is terrifying uh, and we find out a huge piece of information, which is that Sid is also probably a mutant, and her power yeah. is to switch bodies with people as yeah. she touches yeah. them. Um, that struck me as kind of rogue-ish. Yeah. To the, I yeah. thought they were going to go with a very rogue way, a rogue in a rogue direction with that. And this, like, it, it feels like that's what they're doing, but also it feels like it could be something completely different. Yeah, it's sort of very like casual, like. Oh, we switched bodies briefly, and it's like, yeah, is that what actually happened, right? Or, yeah. or whose figment of what imagination are we dealing with, right? Well, but I would like to get back to the powerful kiss moment because I feel like when you do meet the one, you know, that's what the kiss really feels like. Uh-huh. You know? Here we that go you with bodies. romantic. No, that it just blows you across the room. I've yeah. been actually living in my wife's body for. Decades. Yeah, no. Well, that makes a lot Believe of sense. Believe me, we know. Like, oh, jeez. Yeah. I know we've been talking. Yeah, because yeah. you always see if you have boobs, and then you're like, oh, that, I don't. That was one of those smash cuts that I was talking about, yeah. is he switches into his yeah. body, and his immediate reaction is to touch his boobs, and right. they cut to the uh, interrogator being like, wait, what? Yeah. But he's not actually even asking about that, and yeah. it's a great moment. Yeah. Um, so let, let's skip ahead a little bit, because... A lot of crazy stuff happens. We don't necessarily need to run over every single piece of it. But David gets switched with Sid. He gets sent home. We meet his sister, Mm -hmm. which is an interesting detail. Clearly, that's something that's important to him because he's been flashing back to his time with his sister and his dog throughout the episode. But I don't think we get a lot of information there yet, right? That's correct. Okay. But uh, it's tough, though, because like... That made the first time that we saw the sister when she brought the cupcake, you know. Uh, I almost had kind of wish we had that information. That scene would have been more powerful, I feel. But I just think that, like, yeah, it's weird when they're time jumping to really kind of piece together who's who to what. Yeah. Um, Just to finish it up, though, so at the end... David finally finds Sid. He's been captured by the interrogators. He escapes from them. And it turns out this whole team of mutants, I think, uh, frees him. What do you think is going on there? What's happening in the last scene? I mean, that's the part where I was like, it feels there was so much stuff that happened. And it's weird to me that, like, if this is in the X-Men universe, that Xavier, nobody knows about that. You know, I mean, there was just... So many like power mm-hmm. things happening, but isn't there a world where this can 
all be inside of his head? Uh, definitely. I mean, even though he asks it at the end, is this real? Is yeah. this real? And she says, yes. There's a pause there before she says yes. To me, I think that pause is no. Yeah. Wow. And it's entirely possible every single character we've met so far is one of his personalities. That's yeah. what I think. Also, yeah, it was just like all of a sudden it, they were shooting people and then everybody had time to stop on the beach and like shake hands. Yeah. That's that was, nice. I love a casual beach hang. Uh, I think that that uh, I think one of us is not real. What? <laughs> that would be a long. All right. Well, let's get into that. I think we can end every episode with this: real or not real. I mean, I think we kind of covered this already. But what do you think is real? What do you think was actually real in the episode, Pete? The most name the most real thing in the episode. Yeah. What was the most real? Oh, uh, uh, I'm gonna say the. I'm going to say the swimming pool. That was my answer as well, the swimming yeah. pool scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to say the scene in the kitchen where he freaks out and causes a whirlpool of oh, plates yeah. and knives. Yeah. I think that definitely happened. Like, Knowing I, think that's that's I, mean, I agree with you. Fate. I think that happened as well. Yeah. Knowing that was all, like you said, not like CGI, that that was all practical, that's amazing. I, think. I don't know if everything was oh, practical. They probably threw some extra Cheetos in there. Right, exactly. Uh, but I did love the fact that like when he went to his sister's house, it was Halloween, and he's kind of like breaking away from a mental institution, and there was two kids dressed as like inmates in jail in front of him. I thought that was kind of... That was a great oh, shot. That was adorable. Not real. Especially old-timey. They were old-timey. Yeah, right, they were old-timey. Listen, that's it for the first episode of Inside Legion. Let us know how you want us to go inside Legion and how deep you want us to go inside oh, Legion. Wow, what are we going to make that happen? Yeah, Very weird ending. But we're going to meet a lot of weird personalities. Maybe you'll be one of them. Uh, and, of course, we do a live show every Tuesday at 8 p.m. in New York, totally free. You can check out all the info at Comic Book Club Live. Dot com and that podcast is on Nerdist.com as well. Until next time, stay weird. Keep it weird. Stay real. Stay real.